have your Bible, go to Isaiah chapter 22. Si trajo su Biblia, vaya a Isaías, el capítulo 22. And we will pick up where we left off last week. Vamos a iniciar o dar comienzo donde dejamos la semana pasada. How many of you were here last week? All right, and how many of you received the word? All right, I hope more of you received the word than that. How many of you received the word? You see, there are several parts to preaching. I have to receive it, or whoever's preaching has to receive it, and then you have. Then I have to deliver it, and then you have to receive it. You have to sign for the package. If you don't sign for the package, you can't benefit from it. And we receive everything from the Lord by what? By faith. So when you hear the word, you need to receive the word. Cuando se predica la palabra, hay que recibir la palabra. Y todo lo que recibimos de Dios, lo recibimos por medio de la fe. And uh, when, when we're talking about receiving from God and we're receiving by faith, we're saying that we are receiving as true that which God has spoken. Estamos, cuando hablamos de recibir por la fe, estamos diciendo que aceptamos como verdad lo que Dios está diciendo. One of the most uh, problem, one of the greatest problems in the church is sight. Because we go by what we see, and we don't receive God's word sometimes because we don't see it. But what we receive from God, we have to receive by faith, not by sight. One of the problems in the iglesia is that we receive solo por lo que vemos, la vista. Y si nos guiamos por la vista, no uh, no creemos a veces. Queremos ver. Pero Jesús dijo. Más bendito es el que creó y no vio. Jesus said, more blessed is he who believed and has not seen. All right, so I want you to stir up your faith as you uh, hear the word of the Lord tonight. And every time you hear the word, stir up your faith. Uh, I'm not here to entertain you. All right. I said, I'm not here to entertain you. I have, I'm here to deliver God's word. And you're here because you want to receive God's word. Yo no estoy aquí para entretenerlos. Ustedes no están aquí para estar entretenidos. Estamos aquí para recibir la palabra de Dios. Y si yo soy fiel a entregarla, usted tiene que ser fiel a recibirla. You can hear a lot of sermons. And if you've been in church your whole life, you have heard a lot of sermons. But the only sermon that's any benefit is the one you receive by faith and you put into action. Uh, usted puede oír muchos mensajes, muchos sermones. El sermón que más le va a beneficiar es el que usted recibe por la fe y el que pone por obra. Last week I began telling you what I believe the Lord is speaking to my heart about 2016. 
el, la semana pasada yo les compartí lo que yo sentía que el Señor está diciendo a, a nuestro corazón para el año 2016. And I know we're not even out of 2015 yet, but I want to give you a head start on the new year. Les voy a dar un, uh, un arranque al, al año nuevo para que cuando llegue ya saben qué esperar. And uh, I, I started this little head start for you so that when we get into 2016, you will know what we are looking for. Now, if you missed last week, you have no idea what I shared last week. You need to go hear the podcast because that was, that was the, the tasty part of this message, all right? And so tonight you're going to get the, the meat and potatoes. Okay, so I'm sorry about that, but you're going to have to go get the ice cream uh, off of the podcast now. Um, but I just want to recap some of the things the Lord is saying to us. And, and I don't have the time to explain all that I based um, the message on last week. But I just want to say this, that the, ne- the year 2016, I believe, is going to be a year of the peg in a firm place. Meaning that it's going to be a year when God is going to establish things in your life. El año 2016, hablábamos la, eh, la semana pasada, que uh, yo creo va a ser un año en que Dios va a establecer muchas cosas. He's going to nail some things to the ground in the next year. Él va a clavar algunas cosas al piso en este próximo año. Isaiah 22:22. Then I will set the key of the house of David on his shoulder. And when he opens, no one will shut. And when he shuts, no one will open. Somebody say amen. And I will drive him like a peg in a firm place, and he will become the throne of glory to his father's house. And now this is a prophecy referring to the Messiah, and it is also a prophecy Uh, I believe that is fulfilled in Christ uh, completely. Let's read the next two verses. So they will hang on him all the glory of his father's house, offspring and issue, and all the least of vessels which bowls uh, to all the jars. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, the peg driven in a firm place will give way, and it will even break off and fail, and the load hanging on it will be cut off, for the Lord has spoken. Now, uh, let's pray, and then I'm going to uh, share a little bit more about this passage. Father, we thank you for your word, which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God, and I pray that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might hear the word and receive it by faith. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Amen. We talked about the fact that the, fir- the, the peg in a firm place is Christ. And Isaiah says that all of the glory of the house will be hanging on him. But there would come a time when that peg would give way, when it would break, and it would be cut off for a time. And Isaiah was referring to the fact that the Messiah would come and that he would die. Now, the, the, the prophets in the Old Testament had no idea that Christ or the Messiah was coming Twice. They only knew that he was coming once. They didn't realize he was coming twice. But Isaiah here makes mention of the fact that he would be cut off. He would be taken out of sight for a time. But that 
The day would come when he would be that firm place upon whom the whole weight of the glory of God, upon whom the whole weight of the house of God and the law of God and the prophecies of the Old Testament would hang upon Christ. And so we know that, that this is true uh, even to our day. Isaías habla de este clavo hincado. Y dice, llegará el día cuando ese clavo hincado será quebrantado. Y él estaba refiriendo al, al hecho de que el Mesías vendría y que un día el, el Mesías sería quitado. Y esto es lo que ocurrió en la cruz. This took place at the cross when Jesus was broken uh, for our transgression. Ahí Jesús fue quebrantado por nuestra iniquidad. Y los que no entendieron pensaron quizá que ese Mesías uh, había sido quitado para siempre. Pero la realidad es que Jesús vino a ser ese clavo hincado. Que aunque fue quitado por un tiempo, Él es el cual sobre se colgará todo el peso de la gloria de la palabra de Dios. It is upon Christ that all the hopes of the world are hanging today. Are you listening? There is no other place upon which you can hang your hope but on Jesus Christ. And if you have put your hope on Christ, you can guarantee that that is a, firm, a peg in a firm place. He already gave way once. He gave way to our sin. But he now reigns in power and in authority forever. And so we have this beautiful picture in the Old Testament of this. And I shared with you that In the, in the Hebrew numbers uh, system, the year that's coming actually means a peg in a firm place. Y yo compartí la semana pasada que en los números um, hebreos, la, el año que viene literalmente significa un clavo hincado. And I believe God is speaking to us. As a church, and he's speaking to the world. Two things we're going to see in this coming year. Number one, he's going to nail some things down for the church. Él va a establecer algunas cosas firmemente en este próximo año. Let me just tell you that if you've been playing around with church, you had better get it nailed down in this coming year. Si usted ha estado jugando a la iglesita, le voy a decir que en este próximo año ya... Ponga el clavo hincado y quédese firme. Can I get an amen in the house of God? I preached the icing last week, okay? So uh, you're going to have to just chew on this for a little bit. Uh, it's time to get some things nailed down. Es tiempo de establecerse. Si usted va a servir a Dios, sírvele ya. If you're going to serve God, serve him now. If you're going to live for God, live for him now. You're going to live in holiness, live for him in holiness now. Si usted le va a servir a Dios, sírvele ahora. Si ha estado entre sí y no, en este próximo año es un año de decisión. Usted va a tener la decisión de ponerse, establecerse en los caminos de Dios. Why? Because this nation and the nations of the world are going to be rocked. Esta nación y las naciones del mundo están siendo mesidas. So in the midst of a year where the world is going to be shaken, there is going to be stability in the house of God. Dentro de una, un año en cual el mundo va a ser mesido, va a haber establecimiento en la casa 
de Dios. And so if you're a believer then, this coming year, you should be looking out for some ways that God is going to bring stability into your life. Este próximo año, Dios quiere traer estabilidad a tu vida, si tú eres creyente. Así que, ve buscando. Go and start looking. The moment this new year comes in, you'll be thinking, God, how are you going to bring stability into my marriage? How are you going to bring stability into my, into my uh, job, into my finances? How are you going to bring stability into my, uh, into my relationships? And then we're going to carry out some of these things that I want to talk about tonight. But I also mentioned to you that the pegs were used to stretch the tent curtains, to stretch a tent out. Las estacas, les mencioné la semana pasada, que eran usadas, como usted sabe, para afirmar una carpa. And the Lord says in Isaiah 53, pardon, 54, verse 2 through 3, Isaiah 54, verso 2 al 3, el Señor dice, He says, expand the place of your tent. Ensanche el lugar de tu tienda. And strengthen your pegs. Y afirma tus estacas. And so this coming year, it's going to be a year for progress. But it's also going to be a year in which you're going to have to drive the stakes in deep. Your prayer life is one of those stakes that needs to be driven in deep. Your study of the word, drive it in deep. Church attendance, drive it in deep. There are some things in this coming year that you need to make Absolute, unshakable things in your life. Uh, estas estacas son la oración, el estudio bíblico, la, la comunión de la iglesia, el estar en la casa de Dios. Estas estacas, clávelas muy, muy hacia adentro. Porque uh, cuando venga tiempo de, de um, conflicto en el, en el mundo, usted y yo tenemos que tener bien, bien clavadas estas estacas para que no se mueva lo que Dios está haciendo y estableciendo en nosotros. So if you don't have a prayer life, you got to get one real quick. If you don't have a devotional life, you need to get one real quick. If you don't have a home church, you need to get one real quick. Because this is This is the only thing that's going to carry you through a, an unstable time for the world. Can you handle this tonight? All right. I'm not going to talk about, about uh, happy things right now. I'm going to tell you the truth. And then we talked about spiritual warfare victories. Luego hablamos de las victorias en la guerra espiritual. And I told you the story of how uh, Sisera was being... He was the enemy of Israel. Les compartí la historia de cómo uh, el, el enemigo de Israel estaba siendo perseguido por Barak. Uh, Barak was pursuing the enemy of Israel, not Barack Obama. Este no era uh, Barack Obama. Otro Barak que era bueno. Uh, this is a good Barak. Que temía a Dios. God-fearing Barak. And he was pursuing Sisera. Estaba persiguiendo a el rey del, del campo enemigo de Israel. And Sisera got ahead of him and he went to the house of a lady that he knew. Él llegó a la casa, el enemigo llegó a la casa de una uh, de las esposas de los hijos de Israel. Y allí fue a esconderse. He went there to hide. 
be careful because sometimes the enemy will come hide out at your house. Cuidado, porque a veces el enemigo viene a esconderse en su casa. And Jael, she was the a woman of the house. Jael era la mujer de la casa. And uh, she, she was very, she was spirit-led. Thank God for spirit-led women, right? Jael era la mujer de la casa y ella era guiada por el Espíritu. Y le dijo a, a, a este rey, mira, ven, te voy a dar una poca de leche para que uh, te relajes. Y aquel rey quedó bien dormido. She said to sister, I'm going to give you a little warm milk and um, this will relax you. And he fell right to sleep. And now the enemy was sleeping in her house. El enemigo está durmiendo en su casa. The Bible says she went and grabbed a tent peg. Ella fue y buscó una estaca y un martillo. She took a, a tent peg and a hammer. And I'm sorry, this is a very gruesome story, but it's in the Bible. All right, Judges chapter 4. And while she, he was sleeping, mientras él dormía, ella tomó la estaca y lo clavó al piso por la frente. She took that tent peg and she nailed Sisera to the ground through his temples. That is a savage woman. <laughs> and then when, the, when, when Barak finally showed up, she said, come here. Let me show you something. Look at the enemy of Israel. I nailed him to the ground. And I believe this coming year, God is going to give you and me the privilege to see unbelievable, extraordinary spiritual warfare victories in which he is going to nail our enemy to the ground. Somebody ought to be shouting tonight. So when you see that enemy coming around, just warm up the milk and grab your, your tent pegs, all right? Get ready. Because we haven't seen anything yet. There's been a lot of spiritual warfare victories this year, but the, the, the conflict's going to increase and the victories are going to increase. All right. Así que prepárese porque Dios nos va a dar en este año guerras, uh, victorias espirituales en la guerra espiritual y eh, van, a, van a llegar por por personas que no esperábamos. They're going to come through people we did not expect. You know what the Bible says? That the Lord had assigned victory to Barak, but he was unwilling to take it. And so Deborah, if you read the book of Judges, she says, the Lord did through the hand of a woman what Barak could not do. You see, God will not be without a hero. And so if you don't want your part in the story, watch out, because somebody will rise up and take it and do exploits for God. And I'm about ready to tell you, I'm not ready for anybody to take our place doing what God has called us to do. I believe it's going to be us who's going to stand and deliver what God has promised to us. All right. Are you with me? Do you receive the word? All right. So... Start strengthening your pegs. Si usted recibe esta palabra, es que usted va a comenzar a afirmar las estacas en su vida. Van a venir, venir enemigos y si usted y yo no nos paramos, alguien más va a tomar nuestro, nuestra victoria. Pero yo no se la voy a dar a nadie más. 
Si es para nosotros, nosotros la vamos a lograr en el nombre del Señor. All right, here we go. Three things that I believe the Lord is telling us to do in the next year. Are you ready? Ahora vamos a hablar de tres cosas que yo creo que el Señor nos está hablando para el próximo año. God must love us so much that he tells us weeks in advance what to expect. Are we listening? Qué bueno que Dios nos ama tanto para darnos un aviso de lo que viene. Si lo logramos, es porque recibimos la palabra. Si no lo logramos, es, que por, es porque perdimos nuestra oportunidad. Right, number one, set your house in order. Número uno, pon tu casa en orden. If God is going to establish some things in the coming year, then it's time for you to set your house in order. Si Dios va a establecer cosas en este próximo año, entonces el menester poner nuestra casa en orden. Say, my house. We can always put somebody else's house in order. Parece más fácil poner a otra casa en orden. If I were them, this is what I would do. Si yo fuera ellos, esto lo haría así, así. If, they, if I was their parent, then this is what I would do. Si yo fuera el padre de ese niño, yo le haría así, así. Si yo trabajara allí, yo diría esto y lo otro. If I worked there, I would do this and that and the other. But you see, it's not about setting someone else's house in order. It's about setting my house in order. Pero esto no se trata de... ¿Qué haría yo con el problema de alguien más? Esto se trata de poner mi casa en orden. Entonces, ¿qué hay que hacer hoy? Hay que hacer dos cosas. Número uno, hay que pedirle al Señor, Señor, ¿dónde está el desorden en mi casa? What do we have to do with that? Number one, we need to ask the Lord, Lord, where is the disorder in my house? ¿Dónde hay desorden en mi casa? Because it might not be obvious. Quizás no sea obvio a ti. Y a veces tenemos que preguntarle al Espíritu Santo que Él nos ilumine. Sometimes we need to ask the Holy Spirit to show us Where do I need to set some things in order? Maybe it's disorder in your finances. How many of you would like God to nail your finances down so that there's stability next year? Well, guess where he's going to start? By getting them in order. By getting in order the way we spend our money. The way we spend our time, the way we spend our, our relationships, all of those things that we are stewards of, we need to get them in order. And I'm not here to tell you this is how, because every one of us has to be able to hear God on this. Cada uno de nosotros tiene que oír a Dios en esto. I'll give you an example, because this is how the Lord deals with me. 
Sometimes the Lord deals with me in, um, through events. A veces Dios me habla a mí a través de eventos. I, I like to spend uh, as much time as possible in the morning um, in prayer. And this particular morning, I'm in my secret place and I'm in prayer and I cannot get anywhere. You ever prayed like that? I just, it's like God was not listening and he didn't want to listen and I was like distracted and it was bouncing off the wall. Uh, este, esta mañana yo quería orar, siempre doy lo más uh, tiempo posible a la oración y yo esperando y él no decía nada. Y, and I know how to just wait in silence. Yo sé esperar en silencio, pero este día no hablaba y no, yo no sentía nada. No, parecía que no me quería oír. And so I asked God a question. I said, Lord, why won't you speak to me? Y yo dije, Señor, ¿por qué no hablas hoy? Even if it's a Aunque sea un algo que me diga que me estás oyendo, pero nada. And I felt like he said to me, get up and clean your desk. It is a mess. Lord, I'm trying to pray right now. <laughs> y yo sentí que me dijo, levántate y limpia tu escritorio. Está desordenado ahorita. Y yo no te puedo hablar con eso. It's like he was saying, I cannot talk to you with a dirty desk. So I got up and started organizing receipts and paperwork and so on. Comencé a limpiar el escritorio y recibos y tal cosas. And then as I was doing that, he began to speak. Yo, mientras hacía eso, comenzó a hablar. It's amazing what God says when you start cleaning your house, right? And, and I said, Lord, what's this about? He said, my people need to clean up their houses. They have disorder in their lives, and they can't hear me because there's too much clutter. Y él me dijo, yo dije, Señor, ¿para qué es esto? Y él me dijo, hay, hay personas en mi pueblo que no me puede oír porque hay mucha, hay mucha basura en su vida. Cosas que están estorbando para que no me oigan. Hay desorden y cuando hay desorden no me oyen. Dios está siempre hablando. God is always speaking. But if we don't have order, our own disorder will bring distractions and chaos and it will drown out the voice of God. Nuestra propia desorden puede causar que no podamos oír la voz de Dios. And so this first point is very personal and it's very specific, but it's specific to each one of us because it may not be your desk. It might be your refrigerator. It might be your car. It might be how you how you handle your relationship with your husband or your wife. It might be how you how you handle your job. I don't know. It's it's unique to you, but God is saying, I want you to clean up things in your life so that you can hear me. 
Doesn't it feel good when you clean out your house? I mean, do a real good spring, fall, winter cleaning, and you just get rid of everything. No se siente bien cuando usted limpia la casa y saca cosas que ya no sirven. Why do we keep appliances that don't work? Someday it will blend again. ¿Por qué nos gusta guardar cosas que ya no sirven? Un día eso va a funcionar otra vez. No. Va a tostar el pan otro, otro día esa maquinita. No lo va a tostar. Maybe it's just your spirit that you need to clean out. Thoughts, emotions, unforgiveness, things you should have said and you didn't that need to be cleaned out. Quizás son sus emociones, su mente, cosas que tienen que ser limpiadas, lavadas para que Dios hable. No es que Dios no está hablando, pero para que usted lo oiga. So that you can hear his voice. So that you can hear what he is trying to say to you. Now, uh, the Bible tells us about a king named Hezekiah. La Biblia nos dice de un rey llamado uh, Ezequías. And the Lord sent the prophet over to his house. El Señor envió al profeta a su casa. And he told him, Hezekiah, get your house in order because you're going to die. Dijo, pon tu casa en orden porque vas a morir. That's bad news. Esa mala noticia. But yet in the midst of Bad news, God was saying, I want you to get your house ready. There's change coming. There's transition is about to come, and I want you to be ready. Quiero que usted ponga su casa en orden porque vas a morir. Va a haber un cambio, una transición. And I would like to say it like this. Maybe God is saying to us, some things are about to die in your life. Some seasons are about to end in your life and I want you to be in order so that you can walk into the new season. Is there any faith in the house of God tonight? El Señor quizá nos está diciendo, van a morir algunas cosas, unas épocas, etapas, quizá relaciones en tu vida, van a morir y yo quiero que cuando muera esa cosa, usted pueda entrar a una época nueva y una época limpia y no tenga que cargar toda la basura de ayer. I don't want you carrying around yesterday's garbage in your new season. We all know this story, I think. Quizá todos conocemos esta historia. But we don't, I don't think we really think about this too much. Hezekiah started to pray and plead with God. Instead of getting his house in order, he started to pray, Lord, don't let me die. Ezequías, en vez de, de poner su casa en orden, comienza a orar, Señor, no dejes que me muera. No quiero morir. I don't want to die. Sounded like Wilbur. No quiero morir. Some of you tonight are, are feeling that way. I don't want this to die. I don't want this relationship to die, this friendship to die, this 
connection to die. But you see, some things have to die. We heard it th- throughout the year. You can't have a resurrection until you have a death. No podemos tener una resurrección hasta que haya una muerte. Cosas tienen que morir. Now here is the, the problem. The scripture tells us that the Lord, and this is, I think, I think it is a problem. Although generally we hear it as a good thing. But the Lord heard his prayer. Jehová escuchó la oración de Ezequías y le dijo al profeta Ezequías, ve y dile que va a vivir 15 años más. So the Lord told Isaiah, the prophet, go tell Hezekiah that he's going to live 15 more years. All right, that's a story we're familiar with. But do you know what happened in the next 15 years? What happened in the next 15 years, if Hezekiah had known, he would have rather died. Lo que pasó en los próximos 15 años, si Ezequías hubiera conocido, él hubiera preferido morir. Why? Because he was a king that restored Israel to God. Ezequías trajo, restauró a Israel a Jehová. But three years after he was uh, saved, after he got an extension, tres años después de que él fue sanado, he had a son named Manasseh. Tres años después de, de ser salvo de la muerte, tuvo un hijo llamado Manasé. Y Manasé deshizo todo lo que Ezequías había hecho por Dios. At the age of 12, Manasseh became king and he became the most wicked king the nation had ever known. And he undid everything Hezekiah had done for God. Now let me let me just leave you thinking on that for a second. Because we have this Pentecostal way of doing things, right? Like we're just going to turn back God's will on something. And sometimes God is saying, if you don't let this die, you're going to produce fruit that you don't want. You have to let me have my way. A veces Dios nos está diciendo porque 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 somos pentecostés nos gusta ponernos uh, de frente y decir no señor no no aceptamos esto que atamos esto y, y lo otro y está bien en en cierta forma pero a veces vamos en contra de la sabiduría de Dios y luego trae fruto que no esperábamos es por eso que si hoy el señor te dice Pon tu casa en orden. Hay cosas que van a morir. Entonces pon tu casa en orden. Por, y prepárate para que mueran esas cosas. Y terminen esas cosas. Y que ya Él te dé la época nueva. Que Él quiere para tu vida. That's why it's important for us. To be discerning. And to be willing to say. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Because he knows the fruit that a bad decision is going to bear. And I am quite sure that Hezekiah would have rather had the legacy of leaving Israel in the hands of a godly king than have had the legacy of living for 15 more years. Yo estoy seguro que este rey hubiese preferido dejarle a un rey justo el reino 
que tener 15 años más y perder todo. You realize how we strive with God sometimes? A veces peleamos con Dios. I just got to have that. I just, I just got to have it. And when we, we get it our way, because sometimes God will permit us to have what we want, but he, he knows better. And this coming year, if you thought, how many of you really felt like God treated you like a mature Christian this year? Raise your hand. Yeah, this was a year for maturity. If you thought this year was for maturity, hold on to 2016. This is going to be for the big boy church. It's, it's decision time. Si usted pensó que este año pasado fue uno en el cual Dios te puso a madurar, ¿qué nos vendrá en este año? God's looking for a mature church. And a mature church says, your will be done. Una iglesia madura le dice a Dios, haz lo que tú quieras. Haz tu voluntad. I don't know what kind of decisions are coming up. But I know that if he told me tomorrow, Isaac, I'm moving you from Beville, I would have all kinds of fits. I hope you would too. And he went back and packed my bags for me. But I fear God. And I trust him. I'm not prophesying. I'm just telling you that sometimes things come, decisions come that are so hard to swallow that we strive with God. And because we're Pentecostal, we haven't really been taught how to do that and just swallow. A veces porque somos Pentecostal, no nos gusta dejar ir, pero a veces tenemos que aceptar la voluntad de Dios y poner en orden cuando Dios dice pon en orden. Maybe, maybe you fought against, I don't know, maybe you fought against the foreclosure and you've been struggling with it and you're saying, God, no, God, no, God, no, and God knows. And it may be hard to swallow that for a minute. But we have, we have a God we can trust. I read today, Corey Chen Boom, she said, believe in the dark what God has spoken in the light. A veces le tenemos que creer a Dios en las tinieblas lo que Él habló en la luz. So if you're in the dark right now, just believe what He told you in the light. And right now we're in the light. Someday darkness comes. Believe in the dark what God has spoken to us in the light. And hold on to that. Trust Him. I told you that I gave the icing last week. All right. Number two. Número dos. Can we handle this? That was weak. <laughs> the bass voice has said amen. ¿Podemos con esto o no? Tell your neighbor, let it die. Tell your other neighbor, just let it die. 
Now tell yourself, just let it die. Frozen said, let it go, but God says, let it die. You realize Jesus let Lazarus die? Jesus dejó a Lázaro morir. Dejó al, 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 al ciego nacer ciego. He let the blind man be born blind. Because he had glory to gain. Él quería gloriarse de algo. I don't know who God is speaking to, but he's speaking. All right, number two. Increase your capacity to follow instructions. Número dos. Crece tu capacidad para obedecer las instrucciones. In 2016, God wants us to increase our capacity to follow instructions. El Señor quiere que crezcamos nuestra capacidad para obedecer sus instrucciones. I'm going to ask you a question. This is not for a show of hands, and it's not an altar call. Okay. How many of you are good at following instructions? ¿Cuántos de ustedes son buenos para seguir instrucciones? The difference between blessing and curse is following instructions. La diferencia entre bendición y maldición es la capacidad de seguir las instrucciones. Now, us guys, we get, a, we get a, a bookshelf we need to put together. First thing we see, instructions. Si tenemos que armar algo, los varones abrimos la caja y hay un librito ahí con instrucciones. Para eso yo no necesito eso. Y luego en una hora, ¿qué es ese librito? An hour later, we're like, where's that book? Se ríen porque es verdad. What is our capacity to follow instruction? ¿Cuál es nuestra capacidad para seguir instrucciones? Go to the book of Proverbs. Vamos a ir a Proverbios, capítulo 1. We'll start in chapter 1. Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. You know, my dad never gave an instruction twice. Did he ever give you an instruction twice? I don't remember ever hearing an instruction twice. You never heard take out the trash twice. You heard take out the trash, and then the next time, there was a crying son somewhere. <laughs> Wrath had fallen. 
And so you learned, you heard, take out the trash, you took out the trash. You know what, what's been uh, discovered in, uh, in leadership? Se ha descubierto el liderazgo. Primero déjeme decir esto, que mi padre jamás dio una instrucción dos veces. Y si no lo hacíamos la primera vez, ya no iba a haber segunda, era juicio. And then I, I would hear other people say, I'm going to count to three. Don't let me tell you the third time. Like three times, we don't even get one. Sometimes he expected us to read his mind. A veces quería que le leyeran la mente. Y otros que te va a decir tres veces, pero la tercera te va a ir mal. No, a nosotros no nos iba mal a la tercera. Con la primera teníamos. Pero se ha descubierto en el liderazgo que si usted le da instrucciones a una persona dos veces, jamás la va a obedecer la primera vez. Leadership has, has discovered that if you give someone an instruction twice, they'll never obey the first time. Every time after that, they're going to wait for the second instruction. And if you give them an instruction three times, they'll never do it the second time. Now they're going to wait for the third instruction. And those of you who are parents, you didn't have to read a leadership book to discover that, right? Because it gets programmed in our mind. This person will put up with three or four or never. Se programa la mente y dice, no, este con, con cuatro. Me va a decir cuatro veces, entonces yo sé que está en serio. O, o si no lo hago, le va a decir a, a alguien más y ya sé que está en serio. God wants us to increase our capacity to obey immediately. Dios quiere que, eh, que crezcamos nuestra capacidad de obedecer inmediatamente. That was one of the principles we learned in the camel train, wasn't it? Este era uno de los principios que aprendimos en el estudio pasado, que hay que obedecer inmediatamente. Obey immediately. Look, Proverbs 1.1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know what? Wisdom and instruction. To discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the knave, to the youth knowledge and discretion, a wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a wise man of understanding will acquire wise counsel to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddle. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. What does a fool do? A fool despises wisdom and instruction. I do not pastor fools. Right? Say amen. The fool says, eh. el, el ignorante dice, no, creo que Dios me habló, pero quién sabe. You think God gives instructions for nothing? ¿Será que Dios da instrucciones para nada? No. He gives instructions 
Because, listen, instructions are an opportunity. Las instrucciones son una oportunidad. If you're sitting in a service and the Lord says, I want you to go over there and give that person $200, you have received an instruction. Lord, let it be the pastor that you pointed out to them. Right. Has that ever happened to you? You see somebody and the Lord says, give them $100. How do you know what I have in my bank account? Now, if you obey immediately, si el Señor le dice, ve y dale 100 dólares a esa persona, y usted obedece inmediatamente, usted ha logrado la oportunidad de recibir bendición. If you obey immediately, you have, you have taken advantage of the opportunity to be blessed. If you ignore that voice, si usted ignora esa voz, usted ha perdido la oportunidad. Now, if you ignore that voice, you have lost an opportunity. Every significant season, listen, every significant season in your life and my life will come as a result of obeying God's instructions. How many of you are ready for a significant season? Cada época significante en tu vida viene por el resultado de obedecer las instrucciones de Dios. And here is the beautiful thing about it. God never gives us instructions we cannot understand or obey. Dios jamás nos ha dado instrucciones que no podemos entender o obedecer. If he gives me an instruction, it's because he knows I can do it. So then my power to do it. Si él me da una instrucción, es porque él sabe que está dentro de mi poder hacerlo. Si usted quiere un cambio significante en su vida, va a venir a través de obedecer las instrucciones. And let me tell you, friends, that the more you and I increase our capacity to obey God's instructions, the sooner we learn to obey his instructions, the faster we're able to move forward in the seasons he has for us. Some of you are in the first grade. Spiritually. Because you haven't learned to follow instructions. Algunos están en primaria todavía porque no han entendido a obedecer las instrucciones. And the Lord is real, real stickler about, about not letting you be promoted until you have learned the lessons for this level. Dios es muy exigente en que no te va a promover hasta que hagas entendido la instrucción. Forty years, Israel wandered in the wilderness. Cuarenta años, Israel dio vuelta en el, en el desierto por no obedecer las instrucciones. They could not obey instructions. And God doesn't give us instructions to harm us, but to protect us and to bless us. So I want you to increase your capacity this year to obey. Because that's the channel of blessing. 
crece tu capacidad de, de obedecer porque ese es el canal de la bendición. Listen to this. And following instructions qualifies us for increase. Poder seguir instrucciones te cualifica para el crecimiento. How many of you want some increase? All right. Then you need to qualify for it. Qualify? I thought we were under grace. We are under grace. But our capacity to obey God with $100 will give God the opportunity to, to bless us with $1,000. Our capacity to obey God with the house we have now will, will open the door for us to be able to be blessed with a better house. If I can honor God where I'm at now, then I'll honor him later. Some of, some of us think, well, I'll honor the Lord then. If you don't honor him now, you'll, there will be no then. A veces pensamos, yo lo voy a honrar entonces. No, si no lo honramos ahorita, no va a haber entonces. Honrale ahora con el dinero que tienes, con la casa que tienes, con el trabajo que tienes, con, con la, uh, las, los amigos que tienes, la iglesia que tienes. Honrale ahorita con lo que tienes y haz lo que Él nos dice. Do what He tells you. If you want to be blessed, obey Him. Read Deuteronomy 28 uh, when you have some time. All right, number three. I'm out of time here, but number three. Número tres. What's number one? Set your house in order. What's number two? Increase your capacity to obey instructions. Number, number three. Seize every Divine opportunity. Número tres es logra cada oportunidad. Seize every divine opportunity. Go to Colossians chapter 4, Colosenses capítulo 4, verso 5. Colossians is a really little book in the middle of the New Testament. Colossians 4, 5. Colossians 4, 5. What's number three? Seize every divine opportunity. How many of you are good at opportunities? You know how to spot them? You know how to grab them? Some of you are out on Black Friday seizing every opportunity. And some of you are on Cyber Monday. I don't know. Algunos de ustedes el viernes después de Acción de Gracias estaban logrando cada oportunidad. Algunos son buenos para las oportunidades. Got it? Colossians 4, 5. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of what? Of the opportunity. 
Dice ahí que debemos lograr cada oportunidad. Let me give you a little list here. Every Sunday morning, you have a divine opportunity. Cada domingo en la mañana, usted tiene una oportunidad divina. ¿Cuánto la van a lograr? How many of you are going to take advantage of it? That was so weak. We're talking about opportunities here, right? Not chores. Cada domingo en la mañana, usted tiene una oportunidad. Every Sunday night, Sunday morning, you have an opportunity. Sunday evening at what time? Six o'clock. Guess what? Opportunity. Wednesday evening, six, prayer. Seven o'clock, Bible study. Guess what? Opportunity. Cada domingo en la mañana, domingo a las seis de la tarde, uh, uh, miércoles a las seis, oración, siete, estudio bíblico, oportunidad. Y cuando usted la logra, usted viene a recibir bendición, Dios le va a bendecir. When you, when you take advantage of that opportunity, God will meet you. He won't waste your time. How many of you are blessed when you come to church? Now, I'm speaking to, the, I'm preaching to the crowd, to the choir right now. I know you guys took the opportunity to be in church tonight. But why do I have to warn you about this? Because tough days are coming. And I don't mean the, the kind of tough that we think necessarily, but the kind of tough where there's, gonna, there's coming an increasing spiritual hardness to this nation where people are forsaking the house of God. They're forsaking the, the, coming, the coming together of the brethren. You need to make up your mind next year, 52 Sundays, I'm going to be at church. Pastor, that's all of them. Exactly my point. Well, what if I'm out of town? Last I checked, there are churches in other towns. Last I checked. Y usted se tiene que determinar el próximo año, 52 domingos, yo voy a estar en la casa de Dios. Pues es que son todos pastores, ¿está bien? Pero ¿qué si estoy fuera del pueblo? En otros pueblos, según entiendo, hay iglesias. Is the church in the house tonight? Yes. I'm also giving you some material as to how to encourage your brothers and sisters who are losing opportunities. Take advantage of every opportunity. Logra cada oportunidad. When, when we receive an offering, That's a divine opportunity. Cuando recibimos una ofrenda, esa es una oportunidad divina. You might have a coworker that shares with you a need. You have an opportunity. You might have somebody say, I don't even have gas to go see the doctor next week. 
perhaps that's an opportunity. Somebody you know can't get out of the house, who would just love a visit and some food or a meal, opportunity. Seize every divine opportunity. Why? Because every opportunity is an invitation to join God on his mission for the world. Cada oportunidad es una invitación a unirse a lo que Dios está haciendo en el mundo. Si usted oye a alguien decir, ah, es que no tengo ni palgas para ir al doctor este, esta semana, esa es una oportunidad. Somebody that used to come to this church called me a couple weeks ago. They said, Pastor, uh, someone is in need, and we were wondering if the church would give them anything. thought, you're going to pass up the opportunity? Sure, we'll take it. And so we went and, and gave. You guys did that. But somebody passed that opportunity off. Don't, don't catch us doing that this coming year. If God gives you an opportunity, seize it. Take it. Pray with that person. Even between the beans and the rice at H-E-B, call on the Lord. If they're saying they're sick, pray for them. If they're saying they're going through trouble, pray for them. Si alguien dice, necesito oración, no diga, vamos a orar. Ore. Logre la oportunidad. Why do you think God would tell us to seize every opportunity? I think it could be because he's going to give us more opportunities than we've ever had. And he wants to open the floodgates of heaven over our lives. Now I'm going to ask you to stand. Jesus went up to the lame man and said, take up your bed and walk. Guess what that was? Guess what that was? An opportunity. Just bow your head if you would. Say with me, Lord, help me to seize every opportunity. The opportunity to hear your voice the opportunity to sow seed, the opportunity to be in your house, the opportunity to learn the word, opportunities for fellowship, opportunities for service, opportunities to love someone else, an opportunity to share the gospel.